All right. Morning. Morning. I just realized I need to open my Bible to what we're talking about today. All right. Hey, we're in Romans. And, uh, and we're in Romans chapter 12. We've been in chapter 12. This is week number three of chapter 12. Chapter 12 is like, uh, right? It's like, it's like the meat. It's like steak. Like we got to just take our time, enjoy it, right? And, and eat it well. And so we're going to be in verses 9 all the way through the end of verse 21 this morning, okay? So I've got a lot to cover. Um, who loves lists? We got any list lovers? Like today's your day. You're going to have a blast of a day. So if you see in your worship programs, I always give you a fill in the blanks. And this morning I give you fill in the blanks and then lines and then fill in the blanks and then lines because you're going to... Those that love to write things, here you go. This is your day, all right? Um, If you don't know what we do here at New Hope, we teach through books of the Bible, and we are in the book of Romans. We started before Easter. We're going to end here at the end of August, and and we are kind of in the meat of how to live as a Christ follower, right? The first 11 chapters were everything that God did for us that we can experience salvation, his grace, his redemption, like all the goodness of God is the first 11 chapters. And then it says, therefore, so all because of what God did for us, therefore, now this is how we live. This is what it looks like to live a new life in Christ. And, uh, and, and so it's really awesome. If you haven't joined us in reading, we create this tool. It's a reading plan. It's a reading guide. A, a, we want you to spend time every day with God, right? And, uh, and this is just a tool to do that, to take five, ten minutes out of your day. And, um, and in it, we create a reading plan. You just read these verses and check the box each day. And as you do it, you'll do what's on the front, which is what we call the SOAP method of reading Scripture, which is Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And you can read more about it on this. If you don't have one, grab one on your way out. It's on the tables. It's also on our web app, on our website. It's all over the place. Um, and so I'd encourage you to join us in that. And on the bottom, there's always a memory verse, right? And so the memory verse um, for this first half of what we're doing, and we jump in August, we'll move to verse 2, but is Romans 12, verse 1. And, uh, and we're going to read it together. Everybody ready? Yeah. Yep, okay. You guys are quiet. I don't know. It's like, are you guys ready? Yeah. Woo! All right, here we go. All right, let's, one, two, three. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Remember, we learned that. If you missed it a couple weeks ago, go back and watch all of our sermons leading up to this because um, they're great. It's just good building up the fact that we are, it's the therefore, because all that God's done for us, it's reasonable for us to live for him. It's a reasonable request. He saved us. He paid for our sin, our debt. We're clean. We're forgiven. Therefore, right, we offer ourselves to him every day as a living sacrifice and worship him every single day. Now, I want to read the passage for today, which is verses 9 through 21. And so if you have your Bible, I say open your Bible with me. If you have an app, you can use a Bible app. If you don't have a Bible, grab one in the back and on the other side of that wall. Take it home with you. It's a free Bible. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to stand together as we honor God's word and read it. And, um, and we're going to read the passage for today. And then I'm going to do my best to teach it. And, uh, and let God speak to us through it. So, so I'm reading in the NIV, starting in verse 9 of Romans chapter 12. It says this, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. 
Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. God, your word is good, and sometimes it's hard. This morning, we're going to be looking at all these words through your word. And we know that we need your Holy Spirit to enlighten your word, to touch our minds, to move to our hearts, so we change the way we live with our hands. And today, I'm praying that you would help us. Would you reveal things to us and teach us? And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. You can have a seat. Do we have any Twinkie lovers out there? Just show hands if you like a Twinkie, if you like a good Twinkie. All right, we got front row Twinkie. All right, well, I got some. So who wants a Twinkie this morning? Anybody want a Twinkie? Second row right there. Okay, all the way back here. So if Eric, you better watch out because it's right behind you. Oh, that was close. Somebody back, seriously, back row. If I hurt anybody, you sign the waivers, right? All right, back row. Oh, that was close. Thank you, Cindy, for moving. Thank you. Twinkies, right? Do you know what the shelf life of a Twinkie is? Forever. forever. Everybody says forever. We think, like, yeah, you would think they're forever. Like, just so you know, don't worry about those Twinkies. I have a dealer, all right? So I have a dealer who provides Twinkies for me. Because I, this is what I learned about Twinkies. Twinkies are the perfect throat coder, okay? So, like, for me, there are times when I have to preach twice and I'd sing and do all the stuff in my throat. I'd be like, ugh. <clears throat> I would eat a Twinkie between the gatherings, and the greases just kind of coat the throat so nice. <laughs> So it's medicinal for me. I have a prescription for Twinkies as a preacher. My mother-in-law is my dealer. So she hooks me up and buys them for me and makes sure I have them back here in, in the back room. And so, and so we always have a stash back here. Just so you know, they're not yours. If you take one, you're going to go to hell. Like, it's a bad thing. You steal. All right? I'm just kidding. Maybe. So, um, but we had some back there, and there were strawberry flavor. Now, that's something different. Like, normally, they're just, you know, the, the delicious cream, whatever, this sugar thing that lasts forever. And, um, and my son, Luke, was back there, and he really wanted something. So I gave him a strawberry Twinkie, and he starts eating it. And he goes, should it taste funny? I'm like, what do you mean? And then he turned it around, and it had mold on, on the second half of the Twinkie. And he said the rest of the day, all he tasted was that mold. I don't know if it's psychological or if it was real, but... No matter what, I'm thinking, this is impossible, right? Like, <laughs> what happened? I don't know if there's something different with strawberry Twinkies than the regular Twinkies, because these, you know, you know, the apocalypse, nuclear war, it's going to be this and a cockroach, and the cockroach is going to live like 100 years on one Twinkie. Like, that's what's going to happen. Um, just, that's not in the book of Revelation, all right? So that's not, I'm not, that's not me teaching. I'm just having fun, right? But the Twinkie, now here's the problem with the Twinkie that he ate. I felt so bad because you think a Twinkie should always be a Twinkie. It should always be good because it has a shelf life of forever. And that's what you all said. You just assumed it's like it's forever, but it's not. And so the Twinkie on one side was one way, but on the other side, it was a completely different way. Today, I'm talking about duplicity. I'm talking about 
living a life that may look one way to some people but looks a completely different way to somebody else. That's called duplicity, right? And we don't want to live that way. We're, we're seeing now in chapter 12 what it looks like to live with godly character, right? And so I, I want us to understand that we don't want to be the type of person that looks one way but is a completely different other way, right? We'd, would you like to hang around that person? No, we don't like hanging around that, those people. Why would we want to be that type of person? And so when we see this passage, it starts with this. Love must be sincere, right? Love must be sincere. It must be genuine. It must be who you are. It's that thing that should be bu- bubbling out of you because of all of what Christ has done for you, because you have accepted Christ. And I'm talking to the Christians in the room, okay? If you're not a Christian, this doesn't apply to you. You can be a jerk, okay? Like, it's on you, right? I'm just saying, you have a choice. I'm not forcing my rules on you, and God doesn't either. We all have a choice on what we do and how we live and and what our life looks like. But if you are a Christian, we are called to look a certain way, and, and that's that transformation that the Holy Spirit starts to do. We're no longer conformed to this world. We're transformed from the inside out by the work of the Holy Spirit, and love now starts to be sincere. It's not just an act. It's like, no, I am loving because I have experience love. He says, so love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. And this word hate, I want, I don't want to, people would twist this word. So it means I need to hate evil and hate evil people. That's not what it says. Hate what is evil. Hate is, is another word for like turn away from and run away from. It's a rejection of in your own life. I'm not going to like the evil that I'm living in in my own life. This is about us. It's not about pointing fingers at somebody else. This is us pointing our fingers at us as Christians and looking at the character that we have. And so we're going to run from evil. We're going to hate it. We're not, we don't want it in our life. And we're going to cling to what is good. And I would ask the question, what's clinging to you? You know, like when you pull the laundry out and you have that dryer sheet and all of a sudden, everything is, that's sticking to everything, and everything's sticking to each other. Hopefully, your clothes are clean, and it's all good things, right? <laughs> like, that's what we want. We want the good things to cling to us, that it's, we're clinging to those good things, and we're rejecting and pushing away the evil things, which is what the soap does in the washing machine. <laughs> we want the soap. We want the cleaning. We, we want the rejection of the evil, and we want to cling to what is good. This is what we want. And so today, this really is a teaching. Like, I'm, I'm, I just have lists. So oh, that's why I said, I hope you like lists, because that's what he does. It's like the first half, he's getting really deep and really deep, and all of a sudden he goes, okay, and now this. Cha, 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 right? And he's just like shooting all these, be this, be that, don't do this, do this, this, and you're like, ah! And so we're going to do our best to absorb as much as this, and at the very end, I'm hoping to give an illustration that you'll never forget. Okay, that's my goal by the end, and that's a big challenge. And so this is the first thing I want to talk about. It is this, the qualities of a real Christ follower. That's the list we're talking about first, is the qualities of a real Christ follower. <clears throat> so we're going we're gonna to cruise down to verse 11. So verse 11 and 12. This is where he you know, gets into this list. He says, never be lacking in zeal, uh, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Spiritual fervor. What's spiritual fervor? It's that inward passion. It's that longing and desire. It, it's, it's not letting yourself get complacent. Not letting yourself get um, 
spiritually depressed, right? Or separating yourself relationally from other Christ followers. Like there's things you need to do to keep that fervor, to keep yourself in relationship and engaged. He says, don't lack in zeal. Be zealous for God. Be zealous for the things of God. Keep that spiritual fervor, that desire. I don't know if what you felt when you first came to know Christ. Most likely, there was a fervor in you. There was a, this is different. Something's different in me. I see something changing. It's so awesome when I have conversations with people. Like, there's some of you every Sunday, you come up and like, I'm so glad I'm here. And I'm like, I'm so glad you're here too, right? Like, they're just so excited. And then some of you are like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, be like the other, right? Like, be like, what? We get to be together, right? We get to have a spiritual fervor. It says, be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction. Now, that one we don't like. Excuse me? Be pa- do you know the only thing you can do in affliction is to be patient. You can't rush through affliction. You can try your best. It ain't going to work. You'll probably make things worse in the process. Be patient in affliction. And in that affliction, you're being joyful in hope. Like, okay, God, you have a purpose for this. And I don't know what it is, and I don't get it, but I'm going to trust you in it, faithful in prayer. So I'm talking to you, God, about it. I'm being patient. I'm trusting you, I'm putting my hope in you, and I'm just going to keep praying, God. Some of you are still praying through till a breakthrough, right? And I get it. There's things in my life that I'm just praying through till a breakthrough and haven't seen God. I've seen yellow light. That's all I see. But I'm still praying. We do it in hope. We continue to be faithful in prayer. Verse 11 and 12. And so we see these words, and so I'm just going to run down a list now. And so if you want to write down the list of the things that are the qualities of a real Christ follower— the first thing we see is the first one, a sincere love, right? We want to have a sincere love. Love must be sincere. It can't be uh, a fake face. It can't be for selfish motivation. I'm going to love you to get from you. Like, it can't be, it's got to be sincere. That's what a Christ-like person does. They love because they've been loved. They need to be passionate about God. You need to be passionate about God. Not, don't let your fervor go out. Even in affliction, even, even uh, when it's like, Ugh, you still say, do you know what, God? Even though that, but God. You can but God anything. Did you know that? Whatever the circumstance, but God. And I'm going to be passionate about God. And then he says to serve others, right? Never lacking in zeal. Uh, keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Like, you're not sitting on your can, if your spiritual fervor is alive, you're serving the Lord. You're doing something with what God has given you. You're not sitting on what God has given you. I think that is the waste of your life to sit on what God gave you. We learned that last week. I think it was last week, right? We talked about spiritual gifts and stuff. Like to not use what God has given you, the body suffers in the process. We all suffer because you're not using what God put inside of you. It's unfortunate, especially in the American church, 20% of the church does 80% of the work while the other just sit on their can. And I would like to say New Hope's different, but those numbers are pretty close. We have plenty of need in our kids' rooms, in our kids' ministry. And I'm like, why can't we get volunteers? Because they're sitting on their can. We need lots more people to help these young adults and these students every single Wednesday. What are they doing? Well, these people are sitting on their cans. We need more people to be loving the community. What are they doing? Sitting on their can. Like, get off your can. So what he's saying is like your spiritual fervor should be leading you to using what you've been given to serve the Lord. This is godly character. Joyful. Joyful. 
A grumpy Christian is an oxymoron. I've known those people. I grew up in the church. I've seen all sorts, right? Like, and there were people all growing up where you knew that one older lady that sat in that one seat in the, no, not seat, it was pew, right? In the, in the same pew, in the same spot. And you thought that she was sitting there ready just to yell at somebody. Like the, the look on her face was a constant like, like, were you born that way? Or like, what happened? Like, is that, your, your resting face doesn't look good, right? Like, like you can change that. Just like, like, you remember The Grinch, the movie The Grinch, when his heart grows and all of a sudden it goes, me? It's like, that should be the fervor of the Lord in us. When God changes and saves us and enters into our heart, our heart should grow three times as big. And our smile, our life should be so much more joyful. If it's not, I'm wondering, what are you allowing in your life to steal it? Because it's your choice whether you're joyful or not. Joyful is not an emotion. Happiness is an emotion. It'll come and go. Jo- joy is a choice. You can choose joy even in the midst of conflict. Our Christian character is we're joyful. And why are we joyful? Because we're hopeful. We know that even in the junk, God's got something. He is up to I don't know what it is, but he's up to something. And I'm going to be hopeful because I'm going to Romans 8.28 it right? Remember that passage? That God will work together for the good of those who love him, right? That, that is what we're called to, to be more like Christ. We're hopeful. We're patient. Mm. This, is a, this is a lost character trait in our country right now. Can I get an amen? amen. You just drive to the north end That's all I had to say, right? Like, like you were like, oh, I know. Like, I, I'm just, I'm going to drive a bumper car. Is what I'm going to start driving, right? Everywhere I go, because you feel like, like anxiety everywhere, patience. How do we walk with patience, live with patience, and being faithful, faithful to God, faithful in relationships, faithful in the church body, faithful in serving, being a faithful person if you're a Christ follower? These are the characteristics of a real Christ follower. These are the signs, I would say, of salvation. If you're saved, you start looking like this. The Holy Spirit starts to do this thing inside of you where you're like, I don't know why, but I am more patient than I was before. I don't know why. I'm a little bit more joyful. I mean, sometimes I get depressed. Sometimes I get angry. Sometimes, like that little, uh, that, that me inside of me comes out from time to time. We talk about Paul saying, I try to do the things I want to do, and I don't do the things I should do, and I do the things I shouldn't do. And, ah! But thank you, Jesus. When we focus more on Jesus than us, we start looking more like Jesus and less of us. So who are you looking at? Who are you looking at? Let's be transformed, Okay? Then he gets even crazier, okay? Because these are personal characteristics. And then he says, now this is how you treat other people, right? And you're like, oh, this gets even harder? Yes, it gets even harder. So this next section of list that we're going to talk about are how to treat your brothers and sisters in Christ. So he, he goes into detail about if you belong to a church body, if you belong, because we learned it last week, you belong to one another. We all belong to one another as, in, in Christ. We are all part of a body belonging to each other, well, how do we treat each other? What does that look like then inside of a church body? What should it look like? 
Now, the way you act around other people is formed by a lot of different things. And mostly the way you treat other people is formed by your family and where you grew up and what your home looked like, right? Some of y'all's family is sarcasm, right? I'm just looking around. All right, amen. I heard an amen over here. I'm just trying to see who's like, oh, yeah, that's us. Like, like, that's your natural communication method is it's just always sarcasm. You're just like, bang, 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 bang. And that's maybe the way you grew up. And then so now it's in your household now. And it's just how you communicate is it's through sarcasm. And so there's always these little zingers. You know, it's like, and then you all laugh. Ha, 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 ha. And then somebody's like, ouch, that hurt a little, though. Because behind sarcasm is a nugget of truth. And that nugget of truth is usually to attack. That's what sarcasm is. Um, you're usually not saying something positive sarcastically, right? <laughs> it's usually negative. Some of you just grew up in a house where yelling was the way you talked. Like, that's just your home all the time. Just, and so whenever you're around other people, you think that's the way we talk. You know, that's just what we, and regular people do. It's not what regular people do, all right? So some of you are really good at rolling your eyes. There's just small chuckles I hear, all right? Right? We're, we learn these habits. We learn like these behaviors from growing up, from being around other people, from our friends. And then we bring them into this thing that's called the church. And, um, and so often they go against godly character. And they actually, they, they start to um, erode the culture that God designed and desires for his body to operate in relationship with each other. Um, let's read the passages, okay? I'm going to read verse 10 and then 13 through 16. And this is what he says. He says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Then down to verse 13. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. He gives us what church culture should look like, how we should treat each other as followers of Christ, right? And so here's my list. Again, those of you who love lists, you can write these down if you want to. And this comes from some of the other verses as well. How do you treat your brothers and sisters in Christ? Number one, this is a powerful one. He says, be devoted to one another. That is a lost characteristic in our culture. In a cancel culture that we live in, right? When somebody does something that you don't like, well, unfriend. I don't have to talk to them anymore. I don't have to see what they're doing. I don't have to, like, that's the culture. And it's like, no, 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 no. Even when somebody kind of rubs you wrong, as a Christ follower, we're to be devoted to each other, which means we work things through. We, we show grace to people who drive us a little nuts. We stay devoted to them. Because Why? Because you belong to each other. This is a relationship. It takes work in relationships. Some of you are in small groups, and I'm so glad you're in small groups. I don't know if you're in your small group if you notice some people are different than you. And I don't know if some of those people in your small group, every time you leave, you go, I can't believe they. So are you complaining or are you praying? You have a choice. <laughs> You can complain about them, or you can say, God, I pray for them. I don't know what's going on in their life, but I'm praying for them. Or are you praying and then having a conversation? Hey, whenever you said dot, 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 that kind of hurt me. 
and allow for reconciliation, for healthy relationship, right? These are things that we do if we want to be devoted to each other. We do the hard things so that we can belong with each other. Y'all with me? Okay. We honor one another. That's an honoring process. I'm going to honor you by having a conversation with you, right? I'm going to honor you by celebrating with you, right? That, that was a part of the things. We rejoice with those who rejoice. I'm going to honor and rejoice with you, not be jealous that you got or succeeded or whatever. I'm going to be like, awesome. I'm going to honor you and lift you up because of what that, that thing happened or what God is doing in your life. That's awesome. It's not going to be about me. It's going to be about you. And I get to honor. We get to honor each other. We're going to talk more about this word honor by the end of this. In Romans chapter 16, we're going to talk about honor in a really deep way. We're loving each other. We're generous. When we see a need, we meet the need. If we've got more and they've got less, we take care, right? We belong to each other, so we're going to be generous with each other. We live in a hospitable way, meaning our, our, we're open to each other, right? Some of you are like, I don't want anybody to come over to my house. Tim, don't tell me as, as a Christian. I have to let other people in my house. I don't know. It's up to you, but I'm just saying you as a person can be hospitable. A hospitable person is somebody who other people like to be around, right? So are you living that way? Like, would other people want to be near me? Do they feel like when I'm with them, like, yeah, they're cool. Like, I feel like they're hospitable. That's not a word we use, right? But that's what's happening. We rejoice with them. We mourn with them. We allow ourselves to feel what they're feeling. This is called empathy, spiritual empathy. We're humble. And because we're humble, we're not proud, we're not conceited, we're not looking down on people. We're living in harmony with each other. That, that's the call of the church. That's how we treat each other in church. I know some of you have been in churches that look nothing like this. I've been in churches that look nothing like this, right? Where it's like, I've seen people who are definitely not devoted to each other, dishonor each other, and are sarcastic to one another all the time. Um, they keep everything that they get, and I would never want to spend time with them. Why do they keep attacking me when good things happen in my life? And when I'm crying, they're laughing. What, what the heck is the deal? And all they're thinking about is themselves, and all there is is disunity in the church. There are those churches. That's a dysfunctional church. That is not a godly character church. This is what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to live with one another. Devoted to, honoring, loving, generous, hospitable, rejoice, mourn, humble, living in harmony. Okay. Is all this real easy? Everybody good? All right, we're good? All right, sweet. All right. Um, if you were to take a self-assessment right now on each of these things on the list, from a 1 to 10, where would you be? That's kind of what Paul is doing in these verses. He's talking about a self-assessment. Looking at really where are we? Where are you in relationship with Christ? And what does it look like? Because then he takes it to a whole other level, which is like a, what? Now you're saying enemies? I'm cool with like hanging out with the Christians, but now like people who aren't Christians and people who aren't, aren't Christians who want to like get me? What are we supposed to do with them? And then he says this, well, we're called to love them. We're called to love our enemies. This is countercultural. Absolutely countercultural. I'm just going to read the passages <clears throat> at the very end. That's what he says in verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. That's a great sentence, isn't it? 
That should be a memory verse, probably. Like, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. That doesn't mean, like, trying to people please, but it's living in such a way with integrity that nobody could stick anything on you, right? The good things are clinging to you. The evil stuff's not. So live in that way, right? If it is possible as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Like, do your part. Are you always going to live at peace with everyone? No, but hopefully it's not your fault, right? (laughs) If they want to be not at peace with you, that's on them. But you're going to do everything in your power. Live at peace with people. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. I'm telling you, God's wrath is way better than our revenge. If you think you have a really good plan, just so you know, it cannot outdo God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. This sounds very superhero-like, right? God's like, it is mine to avenge, says the Lord. I will repay, right? Like he's like, let God do his thing and then trust that he will take care of those who attack, who are evil. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, give him a snack back. (laughs) Buy him a hamburger. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink get a slurpee or something right in doing this this is crazy in doing this you will heap burning coals on his head isn't that a powerful sentence he is hating on you and you're choosing to love him and it's it's making him even more furious but that's on him or her right because you're choosing love do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Can I get an amen? Amen. Do not be overcome by evil. Don't let evil cling to you, but let's overcome all the evil that we see in this world by us as Christ followers doing the most good, doing good wherever we're at with whoever we're with, showing love to our fellow Christians and to those who are not in Christ and to our enemies. If you show love to all of them, you're going to live at peace. You're going to be free. You're going to overcome some of the evil in your own world with the good that God wants to bring into your life, into the life of those around you. So this is what he says. All right, here's my list. Don't let evil cling to you. I've already said it, right? Don't let evil cling to you. Bless, don't curse. This is me directly talking to some of you sarcastic people, all right? Be careful what comes out of your mouth. If you curse others there are spiritual ramifications for words of curse on others. There are things you don't even know what's happening in the spiritual realm when you speak something over somebody else. When you curse someone, there is a lie that attaches to them that may be there the rest of their life. And I'll say, parents, especially with your kids, don't curse. Bless. Speak words of blessing on people. Bless your kids. Bless your spouse. Bless your friends. Have a forgiving spirit. It's like if somebody's doing something against you, you be ready to forgive. Whether they get to be forgiven, that's on them. If they're asking for forgiveness, they get to receive the forgiveness, but you're going to live in a forgiving spirit, which means you've already forgiven before they've asked. So you get to live in a position of, of power. Forgiveness is great power. I was going to use a Spider-Man quote right there, but I'm not going to do it. All right. With great you know, power comes great responsibility, right? Like, like you need to use it well. You need to bless well. You, you, you need to um, have a forgiving spirit. Don't take revenge. It's not for you. 
let God's wrath be the thing that takes care of other people and their problems and their situations and his judgment, because his judgment is perfect. Ours is not. Our judgment is like this much of their whole life, and God sees their whole life, and he will judge appropriately, and that's on him, not me. And I'm grateful I don't have to sit on the seat of judgment for other people's stupidity. Some of you think you do have to sit on the seat of judgment of other people's stupidity. And I would tell you to get off social media. (laughs) Okay? And take care of the needs. Take care of the needs of those who are enemies. Bless them. Take care of them. Give them food. Give them water. And in this way, you'll be pouring heaping coal over them. Okay. Everybody good? All right. I'm done with lists. And I'm going to bottom line this with you, okay, this morning. Um, Here's the bottom line. As Christians, we're called to put on the light so that we can become the light. Who is the light? Jesus. Jesus is the light. There's no darkness in him. Darkness can't survive in his presence. And we are representatives of Christ as Christians in this world. And we are the ones that now become the light. I, don't ask me why God chose to use people to be the ones that bring the light. But that was his choice. That's his plan A. There's no plan B. We're it. The church. We're it. We're, we are who God picked to bring heaven to earth. And so people start to experience a little bit of heaven on this earth. That's you and me. And when we're called to do this, there's two parts of who we are. I want to use an illustration here. I'm going to ask uh, my son to come up here and help me out because we want to get this up on the big screens. I want to talk about light for a minute, okay? You coming up, Luke? So what is this right here? Candle. Okay, good answer. All right, star sticker for you. Um, a candle. So I don't know if you can see here. Let me. You can see a little bit of a shadow on this paper, can't you? How do you fix it? What do you mean? It's fixed. Is it fixed? Is it working back there, Sean? Is it working, Sean? No. That way. Okay. So you're going to see it up here on the screen in a minute. Okay, so let me use this one so you can see a little bit more. Do you see all those shadows? Now, here's the thing. Our life, our life creates shadows. Like, if our life is this candle, I'm just going to move this one so you can see the shadow that's already there, which works really well, actually. Um, This is, let's say this candle and this candle stand is who we are. This represents all of us. That this is what everybody sees. They see the front of who we are. But honestly, for all of us, there's a shadow us, right? There's the things that people don't necessarily see, but it's the darkness behind us. It's the sin. Maybe it's the duplicity. It's the choices we make when nobody's looking that don't look like Christ. And we're talking about duplicity today. We're talking about hypocrisy. And we're not called to be hypocrites. Now, there's something very interesting that we're called to be. We're called to be the light, right? And so with a candle, when you accept Christ, you become a light. Is my wick too small? 
Seriously? <laughs> this worked before. Teensy little candle. How's everybody doing? <laughs> I need to get rid of some of the wax. I shouldn't have tested it before. We got another preacher in the house. <laughs> All right. Okay. Do you see the Do you see the candlelight? Now here's the amazing thing. Fire does not create a shadow. Did you know that? The candle creates a shadow, but the light doesn't. When we become the light, when we accept Jesus and He lights us up. And he starts changing us. There is no shadow in light. There's no duplicity in Jesus. Jesus is a light here, and he's the light here. There is no shadow. We are called as Christ followers to be and become the light of Christ, to live a life with no shadows, to not live a life of duplicity, single-minded, single-hearted, and this is the call and the challenge of life. We're supposed to look more like Christ and less like us. And the more we look like Christ, the more we look like the light with no shadow. And the less that shadow appears because the light gets brighter and brighter and brighter, the less duplicity we have in our life and the more character of God we allow in our life. Isn't that cool? A little science project. Thank you, Luke. And so we're called to be the light. Not snuffed out. I'm going to do this because I want it to be brighter. So here's my question for all of us Where are your shadows? In your life as a Christ follower, what are the things that, that you know but nobody else knows? Or what are the ways you're living that don't look like? Christ that's the challenge how are you treating other people how are you treating those closest to you I know that's usually the best judgment because the ones closest to you get the realest version of you right how are you treating your spouse how are you treating your kids how are you treating your best friends how are you treating your family how are you treating other Christians how are you treating your classmates your co-workers how are you treating those around you what are you choosing to do? How are you choosing to live? This is the challenge for us as Christians. Where are you living in duplicity? The reality is this. Without Christ, your life is a shadow. Without Christ, your life is dark. You are in darkness. You don't, you don't know God. You are an enemy of God before Christ. That's where you're at if you don't know Christ this morning. My hope and prayer for you, if you don't know Christ this morning, that you understand that God is a loving God and he's done everything for you to have a relationship with him. He sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross. He sent his son, Jesus, to pay for your sin. He sent his son, Jesus, to put light in your life and to light you up <laughs> and to make you in, in having a relationship with him now and forever. He did all of it. And all in all, you have to do is accept it and confess it and invite him in. 
And what ends up happening in your life is that light starts to get a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger, and the shadows start to get a little bit less and a little bit less, and you start to be transformed. So today, all of us in the room, where are you in that process? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. This morning, as we're going to take some time in response, and in a moment, we're going to take communion, which is the reminder of what you did do for us so that we can live in the light, that we can live in godly character. And today, God, I'm praying that you will just lead us in this time of response, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, that um, we would truly see you in a very personal way. Pastor Jim's going to come up in a moment but um, to lead us in, in the time of communion. But first, I want to talk to other Christians, just between you and God, especially during communion in a moment, would you just assess your own heart and life? Like, would you be real and get real with God and just work with him on this and, and let, let the Holy Spirit expose some things so that you can be free from some of the shadows in your own life, that you don't have to live in duplicity? And I'm praying that you understand this is not a sermon about guilt. I'm not here trying to guilt you into doing something right. Guilt doesn't last long, and it doesn't change us. I want you to understand you're loved into change. It's God's love that changes you. And so allow him to do it as a loving Heavenly Father to help you go through that, that process of looking at the shadows that are in your life. And those of you that you don't know Christ yet, I I just shared the gospel with you. All you have to do is confess to God that Jesus is his son, that he died on the cross for your sins, to pay for your sins, and that you can have a real and right relationship with him now and forever. And that's all it is. And so if you want that kind of relationship, I'm going to pray in a moment. I'm going to say, you, you pray these words to God. Make it your own prayer, your own confession. My words can't get you there. Only yours can. And so if you want to have a relationship with Jesus right now, just pray with me. Just you can pray this. Say, God, please forgive me of my sins. I know I'm not perfect, and I know I can't get to you because of my sin. I'm confessing that Jesus is your son. You sent him to die on the cross to pay for my sin. It should have been me on the cross paying for my own. But I can't do it. And so I give my life to you, God. Jesus, enter into my heart, my life. Give me your Holy Spirit. Free me, forgive me. I want to be yours now and forever. Here I am, God. Fill me with your light. Fill me with your peace and free me. It's in Christ's name alone that I pray. Amen. Amen. If that was you, we want to know about it. So I would encourage you to mark that Connect card or right after the gathering, come and find me. I would love to pray with you and encourage you and um, on that journey. And if you do know Christ today, you get to participate in communion. Communion is for Christ followers, okay?